Coming up on today's show, we're highlighting all of the news coming out of Gamescom 2020. Plus, we've got more news on Fortnite, PlayStation 5 pre-orders, that Netflix Resident Evil series, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, and more. Coming up on today's show, we're recapping. Recapping. <laughs> Girl, we're all there. We are all What's there the with game? you. The recapping. <laughs> Sounds like we can make that into a <laughs> We definitely can. Okay, this time I, I, I got this. I believe in me. I believe in you. Thank you. Coming up on today's show, we are recapping what happening. <laughs> recapping it today. <laughs> I love it. Recapping. Make it happen. Oops, I. Did it again with your mouth. You get flubbed in this game of hosting. <clears throat> recapping. Why? Okay. I'm just going to say something different. That's a great word. Covering. <laughs> I want recapping to be real. Me too. Oh my God. Will it into existence? And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games Podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. And Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. Welcome, ladies, and happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. I got confused for a second, but yes. I was going to say happy Friday because it's Friday for everybody listening to the show, if you, of course, are listening on published day. But, you know, it's been a whole week, very busy, lots of things happening for Gamescom Digital. And then all of this news on top of that, we have got so much stuff to get into today. I want to thank today's sponsors. That is Honey. Omaha Steaks and AT&T 5G, but we'll tell you more about them later. We also have wonderful supporters at patreon.com slash what's good games. This month's August producers are Chewy's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Ate, Justin Foshi, Muhammad Muhammad, Marcus Brown, Punctified, and California Cated. And welcome to our Patreon community, Jeff, Chris Bauer, Oriel Sulas, Sulas, Jason Luck, Matt Haley, Ricky Alwanger, Julian, the gluten-free gamer, Chris Grant, Kevin Lanez, Mech Thornlord, and Autumn Greer. Don't forget, you can be part of the show by going to patreon.com slash what's good games and submitting your questions when Brittany calls for them every Wednesday. Plus, Britt, there's another way to, for people to be part of the show. Yeah, they can get their special shout out by leaving us a nice little review on iTunes or whatever else you can leave reviews. I don't know. But thank you to this week's reviews leavers. Brenda 115, The Droosters, The Gun, Hack 58, Duck Trancy, Louis Weist 49, Baby Ass Baby, and Claudia 1318 with an exclamation point at the end of it. Thank you so much. Very, very, very kind words left this week. As always, much appreciated. They are. They're just like a nice little surprise in our inbox when we get the notifications when someone leaves a glowing five-star review. It makes our day. So thank you to everybody who takes the time. But as I mentioned, there is a boatload of news this week, starting with opening night live. So let's get into it. Brittany, you've put together this fantastic little recap and also... Kudos and shout outs to One Zombie Kills for joining us on our watch along that you anchored while I ran off to go host some stuff for Twitch Gaming. What'd you think, Britt? First thoughts. First thoughts. Uh, nothing super panty twisting worthy. I am happy that Jeff did come in at the 11th hour and was like, hey, 
There's not going to be anything super exciting in here. A lot of what you're going to see is going to be stuff that's already been announced. There were a few surprises, but it was kind of hard to keep track over what was really like a world premiere versus just like a, a retelling or a reshare. Like of, an update. Yeah, thank you. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. It definitely felt like there was a lot of trailers just put in almost as filler that didn't feel particularly new at all, which I kind of was surprised at. I was like, maybe just make the show shorter and just make it a little bit punchier. Steimer, what do you think? Did you get to watch the whole thing or just part of it? I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I only got to watch part of it. But I definitely agree, as I always say, editing is your best friend. And you don't build a show to fill time. You, you build it the other way around. You say what content you have, and then you say that's how long our show is. Yeah. I agree. I did think that there were some superfluous moments, hmm. but you have this nice little recap that you've put together from IGN. Of course, IGN was partnered with Jeff Keighley, Opening Night Live, and Gamescom to put together the presentation. Shout out to Sydney Goodman. How great did she look? Everyone Fantastic. in our chat was commenting on how buff her arms looked in that tank top she was wearing. Oh, yeah. She looked real good. She's my fashion icon. It's like she works out a lot. It shows. And she posts outfits of the day almost every day. She used to do it every day. We had she's sit on busy the show. Lady. We haven't. Yeah, we had sit well, on the show we, back okay. when she worked for BuzzFeed Blue. That's right. It's just been so long. It's been a long time. <laughs> I don't think we've had her back since she's been with IGN, though. She's just a lady about town, always hosting something, yeah. doing stuff. True. Yeah. Get her back on. But yeah. Uh, Agreed. But yeah, so this is pulled via IGN, and obviously we're not going to go over everything, because there was a lot. I think it was like 35 games or something. But the highlights. First one is Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. Uh, they just talked about what players can expect, and we just got some interesting information about Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. And I, Is that later in the show notes? Yeah, so here's the thing. I decided what I wanted to do is we can obviously mention that this was shown. Like, So here's like a little bit of, of what we saw at the opening night live presentation is like a deeper look at Black Ops Cold War. I actually had the pleasure of doing a 90 minute behind closed doors presentation with members of the team from Treyarch and Raven Software, the two primary teams that are working on this. And I have lots of details about that. And that's going to happen in the second block. Okay. So the, w the way that we're going to run the show this week, everybody, which I for probably should have mentioned at the top is segment one is going to be all about Gamescom opening night live. Segment two is going to be all the rest of the news from the week because there's plenty of other stuff to talk about and then segment three will be our hands-on including brit's time with battletoads and steimer and i's time with the newest class of outriders the game coming from people can fly okay so uh they showed some stuff with call of duty but i want to hold it because it's a lot to talk about and i don't want to slow down our gamescom momentum okay cool so the next notable thing i mean unless you all want to talk about doom eternal the ancient ones dlc revealed i never finished doom eternal i don't think anyone here did it looks more doomy great fantastic Moving doomier. on. Doomier. Doomier. Looks doomier. Faster. We saw... A, you are more doomed. More doomed. We saw Dragon Age for what's being called by IGN a first look trailer, which I don't really know if it's first look. Sorry, it wasn't a trailer. It was a dev diary. It, it was a dev diary. Yeah. So uh, when little friend Casey, I say little friend, when Casey came up on the stream, Andrea and I first like, oh my God, is this where we're getting our Mass Effect trilogy remaster? My it, heart like fluttered for a moment. Yeah. I was very excited. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, not because of Casey, but because like <laughs> I would, we weren't expecting to hear anything from Bioware. Like there oh, was I no see. hint yeah, that yeah. Bioware was going, going to be making an there. appearance. Yeah. And I think people were maybe having like like hype moments of like, is this where they reveal the Mass Effect trilogy, like remaster, remake, whatever they're doing. And I was like, oh my gosh, be still my heart. And then they were like, but Dragon Age, but which Dragon was also Age. exciting. 
It is, yes. yeah. So what we saw were new characters, Bellaria and Darwin and their voice actors, Ji Young Han and Ike Amadi. And then we saw some underground realm looking thing. And they mentioned a story about they want to create a story about what happens when you don't have power and when the people in charge don't address the issues in the world. Huh. Sounds a little familiar. Kind of, wah, wah, kind wah, of wah, a little wah, too wah, real. Too a little too real. And then they showed Egg, um, and they sh- decided to show the facial animation technology, and they made, gave him the most disgusting face ever. He just looks so angry and upset. And when I saw him on stream, I let out some curse words, and I was like, fuck you, Egg. The Grey Wardens were in there, too. You can tell by their shields. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm so pumped for it. And this, this game just isn't coming out for so long. So long. Yeah, and I think like that was like the general reaction from a lot of people who are, you know, kind of in the know about it is that um the clearly, you know, this game has probably at least another 2 years of development if they're still only showing like concept art. But it's probably still my guess is again, this is all speculation, but from what I know of development. And I also want to touch on this because people on Twitter were like, "Why this game was announced forever ago?" How could they just have concept art at this point? And like, I want to point out that it was, I don't know if it was ever super confirmed, but at least rumored to be rebooted around the time of Anthem. So last year, 2019, which I can't, I was like, I had to look at that number. I was like, 2019 was last year. Are you sure? Wow. <laughs> it was a really weird thing to think about. Um, but so if that happened, that means that the game would have moved out of production and back into pre-production. So they are probably, the, the reason you're seeing a lot of concept art is they're still prototyping. They're still like, figuring out what the game is and then once they get those pipelines established they would then move into production which is when the game really starts to make progress so i don't from what i've heard i don't know it feels like they're still maybe in pre-production again at this point which is why you're only seeing stuff like concept art or like um basically dummies moving around on a screen like oh combat like you saw like a i can't think of the word right now but a gray character just like gray box sword. gray box characters yeah like um so yeah, so that's my take on it. I'm not worried about the game. I would be more worried if they'd been pushing ahead yeah. on a concept that they weren't sh- certain about. Um, so the fact that they were willing to take that game back into pre-production, I think is a very good and healthy sign from the developer that they really want to make something quality and not something mediocre. Preach it, sister. Preach it. Uh, Andrea, did you want to touch on Unknown 9? I believe you said you had B-roll ready for it. This is a new game that is probably one of the only like really new things that we saw um, at the show, which I thought was interesting. But this game is called Unknown Nine Awakening, and it looked it looked awesome. So I have a little write-up here on IGN yes. about it. So beginning in India, Awakening centers on Haruna, quote, a street-smart survivor that struggled to stay alive for most of her childhood. As we see in the trailer, she discovers the ability to slow the perception of time and manipulate the energy of people's bodies – um, she has also struggled to understand her mysterious ability to manipulate the unseen. It is only when Haruna meets her mentor that she begins to consciously access the wholly mysterious hidden dimension known as the Fold, propelling her on a journey to unlock the mysteries of this new realm and the secrets found therein. This looks cool. Yeah, right? I mean, obviously we don't really know what the gameplay looks like, but the concept of the gameplay, I can already see how that would work. Um, and so that's it's pretty interesting. So what's interesting is we have no release window, but the Story World's first book called Genesis is available to read if you want to like get a head start on this thing. Get some backstory up. There is page. some backstory. Uh, it's a whole story world being created by Montreal-based Reflector Entertainment, which is so 
which is so far planned to encompass books, comics, podcasts, and games, all set within a universe based on the real world, but built around historical mythology and conspiracy theories. That's a whole thing. Get some tinfoil hats up in here. Let's go. Everybody go home, or you're probably already at home, because where else would you be? Um, True. Go to your kitchen, get some tinfoil, make yourself a hat. Make yourself a hat. We're getting weird. Mm-hmm. The next thing that I thought was kind of interesting was this weird Doc Brown slash Surgeon Simulator collaboration. Not really a collaboration. Wasn't really a collaboration so much as Doc Brown just introduced. <laughs> I mean, Surgeon Simulator 2 is out now. Yeah. So you can go get it if you want. Um, but it's not like Doc Brown's in the game as no. far as I understood it. No. He actually has no, no, no nothing to do with the game. And also Doc Brown is a PhD doctor, not a medical doctor. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like, like getting Christopher Lloyd to do a guest spot as his back to the future character was a really bold move. And I thought it was going to be an exciting, like back to the like future, back to the future announcement thing. Yeah. because the last back to the future thing we had was that telltale game, I yes. believe. Yeah. And then when he was like surgeon simulator, I was like, what? I was like surgeon simulator, but you go back in time. Ooh. No. Okay. You don't. You're just, it's just, it's just I, a sequel to this game. I was like, clearly the guys who made Surgeon Simulator made a lot of money to pay for Christopher Lloyd's fee to come on and talk yeah. about nothing back to the future related. But you know what? You do you. I'm glad that somebody like you know had fun putting that together. They should have just gotten somebody from like Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Here you go, actor. Some oh, I'm, I'm Meredith Grey. Here's Surgeon Simulator 2. Oh, that actually would have been a I really mean, fun integration. At least it would be medically related. <laughs> I feel like they could have broadened their reach if they had uh, made a plea to Grey's Anatomy fans. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, don't you love seeing really gross shit? Or like ER. If you want to go way back, like a throwback, go for some of the OG ER um, actors, because that would also be fun. Scrubs? Scrubs oh. would be great. Scrubs yeah. would be great. Because like, it's totally, funny. It totally, that, right? that's a really good... Yes, it, sh- it should have been a Scrubs actor. See, they should just hire me to make their marketing. We can consult. Time. We can brainstorm. Said, we can get to the right answer Hire for you. you two for The What's consulting. Good Games consulting firm is open now. Open now for business. <laughs> Please yeah. hire us. Thanks. Email contact at whatsgoodgames.com. Perfect. Following we'll that, there was another weird collaboration. Bridge Constructor and the Walking Dead. Which oh I- my God, I saw that. That was what I was like... What is happening? What? And especially because the trailer was so bizarre to me. So like, yeah, they had the the thing with the bridge, just like oddly zooming in on it. I was like, okay, bridge, sure, got it. Um, and then the dude who goes into a corner and just puts headphones on, and then when the zombies come out, I'm like, Mm-mm-mm. I'm sorry. So you're telling me that in the zombie apocalypse, there's someone stupid enough to put on headphones? And apparently at a volume where you can't hear anything else. He he did uh, look. Yeah. That is a mistake he looks like napoleon dynamite so expectations i also thought maybe it was some sort of a napoleon dynamite i feel like thing. i this is the one that i forgot to look up walking dead and so bridge. the question is are you building the bridges for the zombies are you trying to what like why why zombies how is this gonna work oh well it doesn't really i don't matter. know i'm my my question is i'm like is this is this supposed to be like a like Weird a lemmings, lemmings yeah, situation. Yeah, lemmings. That's what came to mind too. That was for the me. only thing I could think of, but I, I just literally <laughs> don't even know. Don't know what what this is uh, yeah. or like what how this is going to be entertaining. So youtube.com slash what's good games. Andrea has been amazing at this B-roll game. She's rolling. So we're watching it right now. And yeah, it's like this Napoleon Dynamite when he's what, like 40? I don't know how old this man is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. a middle-aged Napoleon. He's in some warehouse. And he's going up these stairs like, oh, what's up here? 
oh, there's nothing. I'm going to find this abandoned corner and sit down and listen to some music. Oh, what could go wrong? You know, clearly this yeah, guy's seen some shit. He's like, I just needed this generator. Isn't this great? I like the idea that this is simulating players going into an abandoned bunker, searching for loot. But he didn't walk in the same pattern that we all would walk if we were actually in this game and now it's like what the zombies are opening the doors the zombies can not only open doors they can navigate stairs very well what is he and doing without on his making any Sorry. sort of no, he, I, who he's knows building the bridge he built a bridge out of a oh he did okay yep. but that but, is a monty python reference but like, for very but, few people that's fine this is a silly game i don't don't think about it too much okay yeah that was interesting uh it was this is uh i think gamescom opening night yeah, live faltered in a few areas and I think one of them was this World of Warcraft Shadowlands release date instead of just showing the gameplay and the release date they showed this animated short which was part one that is supposed to act as you know lore lore to the upcoming DLC but it went on for far too long and it was so in the weeds that I feel like most of the audience this should have been for BlizzCon we were just like what are we watching Mm -hmm. what's happening here yeah, it, it was a weird choice because not only was it not really animated, it was mostly concept art that had a few moments of animation, but it was such a deep cut for narrative reasons that it just was lost on the vast majority of people watching. We even asked our chat, who which had some pretty you know, big wow nerds in it. And there was only like one or two people that recognized characters. And I even went to the Gamescom general chat to see if people were talking about it. And of course, it was just a tire fire of people saying free Hong Kong. But I think that this to me was a miss. I don't, I don't understand why they made this choice. It was just so long. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And they showed these Crash Bandicoot 4. Wait, so what's the release date? Oh, sorry, October 27th. Okay, there you go. Yeah, there, there's the release date. I just, you know, That's the information you need. We spared you watching a really long animatic. Yeah, yes. there you go. And then we have Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time flashback tapes, which are these collected in levels as long as you don't die getting to them, and they open up new challenge so, stages. It sounds like Doc Brown should have been introducing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, time travel. Hello. Make your themes consistent. Yes. I'm with you, Steimer. I'm and with you. then we got an Outriders new cinematic trailer which they showed new details about abilities, enemies, and the world you can explore with your friends. Those were We're going to talk about that in the final segment because Steimer and I got a nice <laughs> meaty <laughs> amount of time playing the game. Brittany was supposed to, we were all supposed to play co-op and our poor Brit was plagued by technical difficulties and wasn't able to get connected. Wah, wah, wah. Single tear rolls down my cheek. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, Brit. So put a pin in Outriders. We're going to talk more about that later. But right now, I want to tell you a little bit about one of our sponsors for the show, Honey. Everybody is shopping online these days, probably even a lot more so than you used to do because we're all stuck in quarantine. And you know what that means. When it comes to shopping online, you're frantically Googling promo codes, trying to save yourself a couple of bucks. Admit it. You've done it. I used to do it all the time. But thankfully, I don't have to do it anymore because I've got Honey installed on my Chrome browser. That's right. Honey is the free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one and puts it on your cart. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. They range from sites that have tech and gaming products to popular fashion brands and even food delivery. Mmm, food. When you check out, the Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click that Apply Coupons button, wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons, and then, boom, save yourself some money. Recently, 
I was buying postcards like I do pretty much every month for our What's Good Games patrons. And once again, saved 11 bucks by just clicking that apply coupons button. It's so easy. I've saved money on swimsuits this summer. I saved money on buying new utensils for my kitchen. I mean, it's just such a great tool and a great way to save you money. Honey has found its over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. So if you don't already have Honey, you could be just straight up missing out on these savings, you guys. And it's literally free. You can install it in mere seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and you're going to be supporting us at What's Good Games. To get Honey for free, support What's Good Games, all you got to do is go to joinhoney.com slash what's good. That's right. Type it into your browser right now. Joinhoney.com slash what's good and sign up for your Honey account and start earning that gold and getting coupons today. Continuing on with our opening night live recap, it's hard to believe that we're barely even halfway through, is Necromunda Under Hive Wars. Say that five times fast. Necromunda Under Hive Wars. Necromunda Under Hive Wars. I tried. (gasps) Brittany, there was an attempt. I appreciate your attempt, Brittany. I really do. So I was like, what the heck is this? And then our chat came to the rescue and was like, Warhammer Tabletop. And I was like, ooh, exciting. What'd you think of this trailer, Brid? Well, unfortunately, this was right around the time where the stream was stuttering, and I missed it. (gasps) Oh, that's right. But Mm. I'm looking at a description on nichegamer.com. It's based off the 2017 reboot of the classic tabletop miniatures game, Necromunda Underhive Wars, is about gang warfare on the grim hive of Necromunda. Players lead a persistent, upgradable gang of fighters from one of Necromunda's infamous house gangs as they fight to survive the planet's criminal underworld. That's all I know. I didn't. I missed it. Rip. Single. I tier. just like that they had like a a badass girl gang. Yeah, it looks really great. It looked fun from what I saw before. I you know, I lost all of it. The problem again. Another yeah. concept trailer. Yeah. Hard to tell what the gameplay is going to look like. But Teardown was very clear with what the gameplay was going to be. Though I still am confused about what this game is. It's like a Minecraft slash Payday. It's a fully destructible interactive world, and I think it's a two-man team, and you rack up debt, and then you have to perform a perfect heist to pay it off. Like, that's my limited understanding of what this is. It's the American dream. absolutely. You accrue a bunch of debt and then do a bunch of crimes to get rid of it. Fuck. See, that's deep. Would you like to do a crime? (laughs) Would you like to do a crime? (laughs) Let's perform a heist. I mean, if you asked me, I would do it. Okay, thanks, Ride or Die. Uh, we also saw Little Nightmares 2 gameplay, which looks creepy as fuck, but I'm 100% here for it. I almost thought they would announce the multiplayer concept because there was two little creepy children things running around, but alas, we didn't get anything. It's only in your mind, Brittany. Yeah, and this is where I turn to the <laughs> two of you because of Star Wars shit. Star Wars Squadron's campaign gameplay was shown. It looks, yes. looks good, but I'm worried I would get very sick. Yeah, so this was basically just an extension of what we saw at EA Play Live earlier this summer. More gameplay. We got to see a little bit more character development. It looks cool. It looks dope. If you're into flight sims and you love Star Wars and you want to pretend like you're flying in space, then I think this is the game for you. Just have a doggy bag nearby. Yeah. I just get nauseous in, in space combat games because there's no horizon line. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at that age now, or even if it's not VR, just any twirly doos and whoop de loos, I get sick. It sucks. I was okay with it when I was younger. Yeah. I think again because I was using a joystick, and for that helped ground me into like what I was doing more so than holding a controller ever does. Um, but 
yeah, I don't know if I could do it now, but you know what I could do now? What's that, Samer? The Sims 4 Journey oh, to Batu. Oh, yes. Expansion's coming. Wait, it's, yeah. you know, soon Soon TM. Soon TM. <laughs> coming September 8th. Yeah, Ray and other familiar faces from the latest Star Wars films can be seen as main characters in the trailer. And Zombie lost her shit when this was shown. She really did. Loved I it. I mean, this is cool. I yeah. think this is really, I mean, I always love, love The Sims. It's one of the Danger Zone games I don't play anymore because I lose too much time. Um but I, I think this is really smart of them. Why? Who wouldn't? I don't know. I'm like, who wouldn't want this? I'm sure somebody out there is like, meh. But <laughs> for the most part, I'm like, yeah, you get to wander around as a sim. That's great. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting integration. Obviously, Star Wars as an IP is far reaching. Lots of people love Star Wars. And I think that them teaming up the, with the Sims is a great way for them to integrate Star Wars into a game that probably doesn't get as many cool IP license deals as a lot of other games do, right? And what's weird about that is that The Sims is giant. And I think oh, a lot yeah. of people forget just how massive the reach of The Sims is, particularly The Sims 4 has been going for several years now. So I think doing something like this is really neat. EA obviously been having that Star Wars partnership for several years, just milking it for all it's worth before their deal inevitably is going to end. And what a great way to do it. Yeah, I also think this is nice because... Uh, Right now, obviously, there's not a lot of travel for most people. So you can still feel like you're going somewhere else, like you're going to the Batu um, places on or at Disneyland or at Disney World without actually endangering yourself in any way. There you go. Yeah. No, when I saw these cantina shots, I was like so reminiscent of going to Star Wars. I had the absolute pleasure of going with some of the ladies from the West Good Guardians, including our own Rihanna Manuel, and going for the um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order preview event last year as well. And it just feels so long ago that I saw people in person. That's why when I was talking about the Dragon Age stuff in 2019, I was like, 2019? How? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, what? Oh. what do you mean was last year? Don't understand. Yeah, rough chuckles. Um, we got one more Star Wars thing. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. The final Star Wars. It is the Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Uh, this is the bummer news, I guess. This, it was delayed. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not surprised it's delayed. I mean, what they're doing is very, very ambitious. And we saw this at E3 last year, and they didn't really give a release date. And at that point, I knew that they probably have a lot more work in front of them. And of course, like a lot of studios, TT's been affected by the pandemic and by COVID. And so if they need more time, take more time. But they're doing all nine Star Wars movies inside this game, which I think is amazing. And not only uh, that, the graphics right? on this one God, looks, looks yeah. so good. And I know that's a weird thing to say, maybe for something that is a Lego game. And I'm sure you're like, well, what do you mean? It's just a Lego game. But I'm like, but no, the it's textures. like so crisp and like beautiful. Everything pops. Yeah. The lighting is fantastic. Whoever did the art on this and the, the lighting and the design, like, a plus plus. You you nailed it. You did yeah. real good. The next thing uh, that we don't have on here, I don't know what happened. My bad. Is twelve minutes voice cast was, re was revealed. So this is the game that's kind of like a groundhog murder mystery. Where oh yeah 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 yeah. So this was revealed at Xbox E3's press conference last year, which feels like forever ago. And we got a new trailer for it, and it revealed the cast behind the voices: James McAvoy, Daisy Ridley, and Willem Dafoe will be the actors bringing the characters to life. Oh. Nice, you get to listen to them a lot. A lot. Because you rewind a lot. I still want that release date. It's supposed to come out this year. Also, another thing that Doc Brown would have made sense for. 
Yes, Simer. Mm-hmm. That's that a good point. A very good point. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Doc, Doc Brown. Okay, Doc Brown. Why? I mean, why are you? We a, could hire him for our show. We we don't think we have that budget. Uh, yeah, so it would he's make kind just of as much sense. It, sure, in terms of themes, you're correct that it would <laughs> be just the same amount of sense. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Moving on to something very cool. Fall Guys two season was announced, and it features new levels Ooh. and costumes with medieval themes. So I have this right up here. It says, as part of the new season, Media Tonic will update Fall Guys with new levels that are inspired by the medieval ages. Naturally, there are new outfits to unlock, too, all of which are related to season two's theme. Wizards, knights, dragons. It's all there. The new season is starting oh in October. And it also was just announced that it's the most <gasps> downloaded. The dragon is really cute. Sorry yes. No, no, it's, no, they're all really, really cute. Uh, Fall Guys was also announced as being the most downloaded, downloaded game ever on PlayStation Plus and has sold 7 million copies on Steam. I love that this game is doing so well. Me too. Yay. What an amazing story from Mediatonic. This game that they plan to be a relatively small indie is just exploding. Now, I don't know how I feel about this mechanic that we're seeing on screen with the pulling of the... the I don't know if you guys ca caught it where you're pulling the platforms around. Mm -hmm. I was like, mm, that seems like... Here, you're going to see it here. Yeah. I'm like, that seems like rife for griefing. I'm not... Oh, I don't yeah. know how I feel That'll about this. That'll be rough chuckles for sure. Yeah, like people moving platforms around to prevent you or help you from moving around. I'm like, nope. <laughs> I still love the physics of this game when it's they so fall good. over. It's just like so funny to me. <laughs> Did you yeah. see they just look like squeaky toys. See the Viking lady with the big old titties? Mm -hmm. Is that our mm -hmm. first fall girl? Hey. Oh, I didn't think about that. Hey. I mean, they all could be fall girls. That's true. Fall I just, I just want them to dolls. give me an option to add eyelashes to my face. That's Boom. all it needs. Yeah, I totally agree. Then I, then I can be as femme as I want to be. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if other other people also want to be femme, then they can be femme too. Just Anybody can wear lashes, bruh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, love a good pair of lashes and then we got Medal of Honor Above and Beyond story trailer it just was shown alongside a developer interview that touched on some new plot details to say this looks real good for a VR game but I'm very super yeah I didn't pull the too. trailer for this one because I I feel like this is just such a niche a title and I love that Respawn is working on it I think their pedigree as a first person shooter studio is you know needs no introduction I think Medal of Honor clearly has a long legacy it's just I I don't get excited. My skirt doesn't get blown up by war shooters. Nah. Zombie and I want to make it packed. This is what we said on stream. After this, no more World, World War II shooters. It's done. Yeah. We get it. We understand. But let's move on. You know? It's never going to happen. They sell like No, I'm like, you're definitely still going to get <laughs> oh, more, you're, we're gonna, more World a, War II shooters. There's a, like an, a, a seemingly never-ending appetite for World War II stuff. And I don't, I don't get it. But you know what? If it makes you happy, it makes you happy. I want you to be happy. And I don't have, I don't categorically not like war games because obviously I'm very excited about what they're doing with Black Ops Cold War. But I think, like you said, World War II specifically just feels like it's been done feels ad nauseum. I'm tired at this point. Yeah. Let it have a nap. Yeah. It is and therapeutic to shoot Nazis. Mm -hmm. I will say that. 
I don't tire of that. I think that's probably it. why they still do so that's well. Fair. Is right, like every, especially <laughs> Wolfenstein was one of the first ones, and everyone's <laughs> just like, "Ha! I'm living out my Wolfenstein dreams." <laughs> and finally, it it ended with Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart PS5 gameplay, which looked so yeah. freaking good. Yeah, we got an extended look at it and confirmation that it will be a launch window game. Jeff tried to get some nitty gritty details, but he was not successful. He even tried to find Surprise. out how many, how many characters are in the female what, Lombax. Is that what they are? Lombax. Yes. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. How many characters are in are in her name? And they're like, oh, we are not sane. And Jeff's like, her name's not Abby, is it? And they're like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And it was awkward. But Oh, that is awkward. What a dick. Anyway. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, come on. You know better. Don't do that. Let them not let them announce it when they want to announce it. <laughs> Gotta get those hot. Put on a great show. Uh, I feel yeah. like you should be talking like this. Yeah. 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 Come on. You'd be nice to the guys at Insomniac. <laughs> yes. Yes, you should. That they was just, very nice people. That was just my, that was just my thing. Uh, but yeah, the game looks great. I saw a lot of people saying that this has them super excited for the launch of PlayStation 5. I did see some commentary as well being like, wow, seems like PlayStation is bringing the goods with Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and this game in launch window. You know, it's like... Halo Infinite, still don't know what's happening with you. Did we get a release date for this? No, just launch window. Launch window is all we got. Jeff tried, Andrea. He tried. But, you know. He did. You got to ask. The train's pulling away. It looks real cute. Look at all those cogs. Yeah, it looks awesome. I just keep thinking back to 2013 and how this was knack. Oh, Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I remember. I remember Nick. Remember, I remember Nick. Remember that. And um, they were like, "This is basically a giant tech demo platformer game because we just wanted to show you that we could break apart all of these pixels and have them come back together." Particle effects, everybody. Look at all these particle effects. We got particle effects of the wazoo. So impressive. So we touched about on this a little bit at the top of the segment, but we have a question from WGG patron Benedict Bond, who says, "Great na- name." Mm-hmm. Now that opening night live has been and gone, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on Summer Games Fest as a whole. Highlights? How do you see next year shaking out? For mm. me, I think it was. I mean, I, I appreciate what Jeff was doing with it and what everything that all the work everybody put into everything. But for me. I, I never thought I would say this because I was always the person who was like, E3 is fine. It's just so tiring. I don't like the week, but it's fun. I, don't, I had like mixed feelings about E3, all of the shows, to be honest. And now I would desperately want them back <laughs> because it at least brought focus where you knew when and to pay attention to it. You knew what kind of the things you would get. And now it's just so spread out and so sporadic on when something is actually big news versus something smaller it's just really hard to keep track of you you just it to me it all washed together it felt like a very big painting of gray (laughs) i 100 percent agree i think we talked about this earlier this idea that the summer of gaming as a concept cool but it was really hard as content creators to keep pace with everything that was going on and it just felt like nothing had as big of an impact and i also like i missed the razzle dazzle of e3 i think that e3 is important i think it's you know, a way for us to come together. And I think that we've got a lot of really great lessons learned from this summer of gaming and this digital new way of life. And I think that the accessibility of it and being able to broadcast all over the world and give people access is great. But I hope that there can be like a marriage between the con systems of your and the new digital future, which we will never be able to escape. Yes. 
I'm kind of the same slash opposite of Seimer in the sense that I, I mean, love E3. I love the hype moments. I love the press conferences. So admittedly, when all the shit was sitting in the fan and we found out we're going to have a whole fucking month and a half, two months, three months, I don't know how long this has been going on, what is time, of Summer of Gaming, I was really excited. It's like, oh my God, every week's going to be like Christmas. Whoa, sweet little naive Brittany. Because now I'm like, oh my God, it is Seimer. You painted it perfectly. It all is just a wash of gray at this point. It really does stop some of like the hype and excitement out of it because you feel like every week there's something else you have to pay attention to. And I say have to loosely, like it's really fun and I love what we do, but it does seem like, okay, I got to like stay on top of everything. What are we watching this time? And then you have Nintendo who like stealth drops these press conferences out of nowhere or these little directs. Anywho, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's just a lot. Uh- I think also something that maybe we haven't really touched on is that I don't think that this summer of gaming is going to be possible once life sort of returns to normal in the summer and people go back on family vacations and traveling and going to concerts because they're just not going to have time to devote to watching all of these live streams. It worked for this year with everybody being grounded because of the pandemic. But once the pandemic gets under control and life starts to resume as it did before, they are not going to be able to get the kind of mass viewership they got like they did this year. Yeah. Uh, next yep. year shaking out. Who knows what next year holds? Who knows what next month holds? Yeah, I was about to say, it's just too hard to try and predict because we don't know where we'll be. Yeah. Fuck, like a few weeks from now. Not saying anything will get better, but I could be dead in a ditch somewhere. You never know. No, no. Simon, no. no. The point I'm illustrating is what is time? It doesn't matter. <laughs> time is... A flat circle. And on that note, we're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to be talking about all of the other crazy news that happened this week, including more details on Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War and an update in the latest saga between Apple and Epic Games. Oh, boy. Just when you thought it couldn't get spicier, it sure did. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, Andrea here with your weekly announcements. If you missed our Gamescom live react, you can watch the full episode on youtube.com slash what's good games. Or of course you can go to twitch.tv slash what's good games and watch the highlighted version there. If you are catching this on Friday, congrats, you still have time to watch me and our friend Steve Spawn from Able Gamers at 12 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash indie arena booth. We will also be co-streaming it on the What's Good Games channel to talk about accessibility in the indie game scene. We're going to be showing you some of the games featured in the indie arena booth and talking to Melly May, an accessibility expert straight out of Germany. And then on Saturday, August 29th, our own Rihanna Manuel is going to join me to highlight some developers focusing on diversity themes and focusing on game developers from low production countries. Countries you may not even know have an indie game development scene. It's going to be fun. Again, 12 p.m. Pacific time at twitch.tv slash indie arena booth. And it gets better. What's Good Games has our own virtual booth. That's right. You can visit the What's Good Games booth at IndieArenaBooth.com. Hopefully you guys can check it out because it's pretty freaking awesome. Brittany, we have even more news. PAX Online is almost upon us. It is. Our panel is going to be Monday, September 14th at 11.45 a.m. Special guest, Joey Noel. What a beautiful lady. We love her. We love having Pacific her. Pacific time. On our show. 
Uh, and I think we can talk about this now. Our RTX panel is going to be Thursday, September 17th at 3 p.m. Pacific. That's right. RTX is going virtual just like everything else this year. And we are super excited to be joining friends from Easy Allies, Brandon Jones and Daniel Bloodworth, along with Kind of Funny's Blessing, Adioye, and Inside Gaming's Autumn Farrell as our moderator for a panel on the wonderful world of games journalism. If you guys want all of the details about how to join in the RTX at Home event, you've got to go to rtxevent.com. Welcome back. It's the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we talk about what we've been playing. Psych! Just kidding. We're talking about more news because boy, oh boy, it was a big week chock full of news. But before we get to that, I want to tell you that this segment is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Summer may be rapidly coming to an end, you guys, but there is still time for grilling. Gosh darn it. And boy, do I love grilling meat from Omaha Steaks. Just last week, Steimer and I made some delicious pork loin chops mm. we did without the bone steimer helped season them she put that signature omaha steak seasoning on there threw them in the pan grilled them up it was mm, chef's kiss delicious if you guys want to try some delicious steaks then all you got to do is go to omaha steaks because they deliver guaranteed quality and safety with every order every omaha steaks order is flash frozen and vacuum sealed and safely delivered in a cooler with dry ice that means fresher than fresh and right now omaha steaks is offering a steakhouse grilling package with an exclusive offer just for what's good games listeners if you go to omahasteaks.com and type what's good into the search bar this week omaha steaks is going to add four burgers and four gourmet jumbo franks for free to your order. It's called the Grand Summer Grill Out Package and it lets you stay home and eat like you're at the best steakhouse in town or like you're at my house. We're talking Omaha steaks, bacon wrap, filet mignon, plus those pork chops we already mentioned, chicken, kielbasa, and more delivered right to your door. That smoky sweet bacon, fork tender filet mignon, all for much less than going out to a restaurant. And you don't have to wear pants. It's a win-win, everybody. Visit omahasteaks.com and type what's good into the search bar to get this offer today. And don't forget, when you order the Grand Summer Grill Out Package, you're going to get those four jumbo franks and four Omaha steak burgers to complete your steakhouse experience. Look at that, you guys. It's just all kinds of deals. Deals on deals. Omaha Steak isn't just the best steak. It's the best steak of your life, guaranteed. Visit omahasteaks.com and type what's good into the search bar to shop the summer grill pack today. omahasteaks.com. What's good in that search bar? Type it up and shop summer grill packs today. Our next story is all about the PlayStation 5 pre-orders. This was some weird business that just randomly happened this week. And I actually never saw this happening. And it's not really ever happened before. And I feel like people are still confused if they got the pre-order because... It doesn't give you confirmation. No. no I mean, but I saw Wario64 tweeting screenshots of the checkout process. But it said, lol... <laughs> Like nine. Yeah, it was fake. It was. It's a. It's a, yeah. it's a Photoshop. I was just like, "What is even because going on?" I did it, and I signed up with my my gamer tag, but I didn't even get an email to that. E I know I get those emails. I know some people were like, "Oh no, I put them to my spam folder, or whatever." I don't. It comes directly to my email. If yeah. you're wondering um, what the fuck we're talking about, <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good point. Thanks, Brittany. Back I, it I up, got back you. It up. You can now sign Let's up do for a little a time travel. <laughs> oh, the <we're> Doc Brown. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, Brittany, go. You can now sign up for a PlayStation 5 pre-order without knowing the price. This comes from Eurogamer. This might be an opportunity for only the most dedicated PlayStation fans, but Sony will open pre-orders for the PS5 to a limited number of people, despite the fact we still don't know the price or release date of the console. Invitations for pre-orders are being sent to some PSN users who register through the pre-order site, although those chosen are selected, quote, based on previous interests and PlayStation activities. Those who receive an email invitation will be alerted before pre-orders begin. They'll have a limited amount of time to place an order, and the whole process will work on a first-come, first-served basis. You can't just buy everything, either. There are restrictions on how many items you can pre-order, with a limit of two on accessories like controllers, and only one PS5 console can be bought per PSN ID. It's worth noting that this pre-order initiative currently only ships to U.S. addresses, so if you're based in Europe, I'm afraid you'll have to wait longer for the opportunity to place in order. So we have a few questions from What's Good Patrons. The first one comes from Gillian Benoit. Benoit? Benoit? Benoit. If you had to speculate how PlayStation is choosing who can pre-order first, what would you say are some factors? And Husbando Challenger wants to know, how many units do we think that they're talking here? Like, how many are they going to open up for pre-order? I honestly don't think that Sony is picking people. I think it's just a lottery system based off who's signing up. Obviously, your PlayStation ID has to have a registered address within the United States to be considered. I think that's clearly a qualifier according to the fine print. But other than that, it just I don't know why they would have any rhyme or reason. It opens them up to legal action, quite frankly. Yeah, I think the only thing that they would probably do as a check is like, has the thing ID logged in within X amount of time? Good. I don't even know if they're doing that. I mean, maybe. I'm just saying, like, if because you wouldn't want people creating new dead accounts to like get, mm. um, yeah, like dummy like to, accounts. Yeah, dummy accounts to like buy the pre-orders and then sell them on the black market. So I feel like there's got to have be some sort of gaming activity on the account to prove that mm-hmm. it's quote unquote real. Um, and that would be, I think, what the the system check there is. Yeah, that's possible. You might have to verify your account. I honestly, it's been so long since I've set up my PSN ID. I don't remember what the steps are to verify your account. But this is here's the thing, everybody. Like, don't get upset if you live outside the United States and you can't place one of these pre-orders. Don't get upset if you didn't get the email. There's probably not going to be a shortage of PlayStation 5s at launch. I know that we're in a pandemic and manufacturing pipelines are a little bit tighter than they normally are. But what we've seen is that because the mobile sector in the Chinese manufacturing warehouses are have much reduced um, turnover because the, there's just not as many people buying mobile phones, that is alleviating pressure on a lot of other manufacturing pipelines so that they can actually get more access to some of these parts and components that go inside these other devices. So I think well, they think they're going to be okay. They'll be okay. There is a report on Bloomberg because the shortages is what everyone's talking about. And if you are to believe this report on Bloomberg, it sounds like Sony is asking for five to six million PS5s to be produced as opposed to PS4 when they had seven and a half million. So it's not like this huge shortage. And if you look... Only 2 million PS4 units were sold worldwide in the first two weeks of sales. So, I mean, like, I think we'll be able to get a PlayStation 5 just fine. I think yeah. we'll be good. As for what's what this pre-order, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand probably on this pre-order? Yeah. That would be my guess, too. Yeah. Like, they're probably just testing the waters to see, like, how, how many people are signing up. And then they're going to look at the sign-ups and, you know, use whatever algorithms they have on their side to say, like, how can we project how many of these people who actually signed up are going to 
purchase. Yeah. You know, they just want that pat themselves on the back. Look how many look yeah. how many clowns you got to sign up. Hello, like I, am <laughs> I am one of those clowns. I am one of those clowns. Like, I mean, I did, interested? I did it. I did it. Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. We all did it. I didn't get the email. I wish they would send you an email to let you know that it worked at least. Be like, look, this is not the email for pre-ordering, but I got a thank you. On I screen. didn't get it. I didn't get a thank you. So I found that and it's interesting because so many people have taken to the internet to be like, so this is what I did and how I signed up and this and this. So I signed in to my PlayStation account in a, in a tab and then I clicked the link. So I was already logged uh, in to Sony. Clever girl. And then I typed in my PSN ID and then I got the thank you notice. I see. I see. Uh, I didn't do that. That's big brain. It's not right too there. late. You still can. It's fine. I will get a PS5. I'm not worried about that. It's yeah. true. And if you don't, you can always come over here. How sad would that be? Well, like, there's no, there's none in the world, but I'll be like, Andrea, I want to play on the PlayStation. Okay, I come to your house. I mean, because now I'm 12 in this scenario. I'm <laughs> aged backwards. But but we could just hang out though. Oh yeah, no, we will. And play games. Oh, show. Even though most of the games coming out are single player. Yeah. Well, I'll I guess watch you. Ratchet, Ratchet's not. Ratchet's Ratchet, co-op, right? Ratchet I don't play. know if it's yeah, been confirmed it is. Actually, I don't know if it I is. I don't think it's been confirmed. I mean, it just looks like it could be. It's gotta be, though, right? You'd think so. Not necessarily. Okay, that's fair. Oh, man. It doesn't have to be anything. That's what I've learned about this day and age. That's <laughs> true. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> and on that note, we will give you guys an update when we get some actual facts about what's happening with the PlayStation 5 pre-orders. Speaking of getting the facts, boy, oh boy, we've got some new spicy facts in the latest saga of Epic Games versus Apple. Apple versus Epic Games? I don't know who's first in this lawsuit, but the consumers are the ones who are last. <sighs> That's right. Fortnite is splitting into two different games because Epic and Apple's fight is next level. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> So this write-up comes from The Verge, and I love that Brittany wrote in the show notes, oh, do we have to talk about this again? Yes, and we're gonna things keep happening. Honestly, this is a pretty big development, and so we're not going to belabor any of the points that we've already made on the show, but we'll want to give you guys an update because now the new update for Fortnite is almost here. Actually, by the time the podcast is out, it will have launched already. Fortnite's next season arrives on August 27th, and if you're an iOS or Mac OS player, you won't be able to play it, Epic Games announced this week. We're learning that not... And we're learning that's not all. Players on iPhone, iPad, and Mac will also lose cross-play Fortnite multiplayer with non-Apple platforms. Epic confirms to The Verge. That means players on Apple platforms will be stuck with the current version of Fortnite, and they'll only be able to play with one another. <laughs> Essentially, the legal fight with Apple will, in short order, split Fortnite into two. On PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, PC, and Android, Fortnite players will have access to all of the new content that's set to arrive with the potentially Marvel-themed new season, which has been confirmed, which I'll tell you about in just a second. Most new Fortnite season packs in significant changes, including updates to the map, new cosmetics, new in-game rewards as part of the game's Battle Pass subscription. If you're a Marvel fan, this could be a particularly hurtful slash interesting development. <laughs> to complicate things, Apple has been cleared, at least for now, of any duty to return Fortnite to the iOS App Store. Since a judge this week refused to grant a temporary restraining order against Apple on that basis. The court order did prevent Apple, though, from removing all of Epic's developer accounts for now, leaving intact the one linked to Epic's Unreal Engine and its associated licensing business. After hearing on a preliminary injunction is scheduled, excuse me, a hearing is scheduled for September 28th and could change either of these temporary legal decisions into more permanent ones for the length of the trial, which, as we mentioned before, 
could potentially go on for years. So a couple quick updates about what's in this new season because a lot of people are excited and of course a lot of people are angry for the exact same reason. <laughs> Epic is teaming up again with Marvel for season four and this time around instead of temporary tie-ins like they did with Avengers, Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, there's going to be an entire comic book storyline that's going to play out over the coming weeks. We got to see a little bit of these assets this week but it looks like Thor appeared on the island and warns of the coming Galactus, the devourer of worlds. He's not alone. Other Marvel heroes and villains have shown up to take on the planet eater. Players are going to be able to use Dr. Doom's arcane gauntlets, Silver Surfer's board, or an energy rifle made by Shark Labs. Stark Labs. <laughs> Shark Labs. Also, Shark Labs. Uh, and also, there's new locations like Doom's Domain, Sentinel, Graveyard, and the Shield Helicarrier. This is a really cool content pack. And I feel like it's extra shitty of Epic to have picked their fight right now. They knew what they were doing. I can't believe. I, I, well, I feel like Marvel must be irritated. Dude, if I was Marvel, I would be mad as fuck. Yeah. I would be irritated. I would be upset. I would be like, yo, our lawyers need to get on the phone. Is this a breach of our agreement? Like, I would be, I would be pissed. Yes. Yeah. Capital P. The La Saga pissed. continues. Yes. We will find find out next week with this page turner of a scoop. Uh, it's just so weird to me that they chose this exact time. I'm like, I don't I feel like if you want to mobilize users, you would give them you would you would, I would have just moved it back. I would have just said, "Hey, yeah. we're going to push back the launch and then we're going to pick our fight, you know, after the content is already live." See, but I, I don't know because I feel like to mobilize to mobilize to get folks to you know fight for you you got to piss them off mm -hmm. almost in a sense you got to paint this picture and I think they knew what they were doing they knew this was in the pipeline and now they're like hey get out your pitchforks young fellow gamer kids get mad because now you can't access this cool content and play it with your friends oh no get mad you know that's how I look at it yeah but again I would be I would be irritated if I was Marvel absolutely because then you're using them as a as a chip in this game oh, yeah when yeah, they right. don't necessarily know that they didn't necessarily know that going into it which maybe they did I don't know maybe I don't know how transparent Epic is in their yeah. business deals watch Marvel issues yeah. a statement against Apple in the coming weeks Weird. yeah it's just gonna be like everybody it's just gonna be everybody hates Apple <laughs> the pile on continues <laughs> It would have been an interesting wrinkle, though, if Epic had waited until Apple announced the new iPhone, which they traditionally do in the month of September, to say, hey, we're going to pull this now. And then you and could then maybe... their little ad, their, their one-for-one ad of theirs. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like you could have maybe made a bigger, uh, even bigger statement by saying, hey, look at all the people that are no longer going to put pre-orders in for their new Apple devices because they're now going to, yeah. to go to android or whatever other device but I, I just feel like it's such a it's such a weird move in a, in a pandemic year when people are already down it's like did you really need to pick this fight right now like was this the right time really of all the things that are happening in the world anyway i'm done talking about it That's all right well then we got something else to talk about we do it's the black ops black ops black ops in the Cold War. Ooh. <laughs> Call of Duty, Black Ops, Cold War, and Warzone will share battle pass progression. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know where this story you know, comes to us from. Okay, oh. I, I, I kind of threw you into the deep end there, You Simer. did. I so, was like, what's happening here? 
Okay, so here's here's what's going on. I so, can read a story as the best of any of them, but that's a lot of information. Yeah, so let's not put the cart before the horse. I'm showing you guys some of the trailer that was shown during opening night live. Of course, we had a leak and then a confirmation and then a trailer and then another trailer. And we got a bunch of details about Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which is the official name of the next game being co-developed by Treyarch and Raven Software. Obviously set in the 80s, it is a direct sequel to the original Black Ops. We're going to get some fan favorite characters back which you guys can see here, like Woods and Mason. And we also have some other familiar faces, like former President Ronald Reagan. Yeah, oh, he really liked jelly beans. Yay. Did you know that? I did not know that. Oh, it's all over the Jelly Belly Factory. Well, it's not over, but I learned that on the Jelly Belly Factory tour that I went on a very long time ago. Hmm. <laughs> oh, there you go. The more you know, everybody. Jelly beans. Um, well, mm. the game looks amazing. Obviously, Activision known for putting a lot of money into the development of the Call of Duty franchise. The animation looks awesome for everything we've seen so far in this trailer. And I had the privilege of seeing a behind closed doors presentation with Activision and several members of the team. Essentially, if you guys have missed all of the details about what makes this campaign different, it's taking Call of Duty in a direction we haven't really seen them go before. And by that, I mean they're giving player choice in the campaign, and they haven't really ever done that before. And so we're going to be seeing players have the option to play out missions in a variety of different ways. They're adding this map mechanic that allows you to kind of strategize almost in like a hitman kind of way about how you want to take the mission on if you want to be more you know, espionage focused and go in a little bit stealthier or if you want to like kick the door down and go in with your like machine gun. That's what Brittany gonna do. I mean, that's like the Call of Duty way in a lot of these games. Obviously, Modern Warfare was a big departure last year and I think that they took a much more serious tone, but Treyarch and the Black Ops franchise as part of Call of Duty's umbrella has always been more action focused instead of trying to do more kind of deep and meaningfuls about what's happening in war. I think back to some of the previous Black, Op Black Ops campaigns and kind of how fun and over the top they were. And obviously with Black Ops 4, we didn't get a campaign. And I'm really excited about what they're doing this time around. So one of the things that I, you know, got to hear the team talk about was the kind of focus of what it is. And so they said, you're going to go face to face with real historical figures in the game. They are calling it a globe trotting experience, meaning you're going to visit a bunch of different countries. So I got to see a mission in Vietnam, which I thought was really interesting. There's also missions in Europe, in Central America, in the United States, of course. And there was one other place that you're going to be going that I wrote down somewhere in my notes. Here it is. Uh, 1981 Asia, Europe, North America, and Latin America hmm. is what it's going to be. And what I thought was also really great is that they teamed up with David Goyer. And if you guys aren't familiar with that name, he wrote on some really big movies like Terminator, The Dark Knight, and he also helped write as part of the original Black Ops story. Blops. 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 Cod Blops was still one of my favorite acronyms. Yeah, I love it. That's what I mean. I literally called this cod blebs. Yeah, I called the document cod blebs. But it was really interesting getting to talk to the team. And what I loved about their presentation is that they put such a big emphasis on all of the things that they're doing to keep their team safe in the pandemic and how they are working with all of their remote teams. And they showed us this really cool vignette from their voice director 
about how she was working with their voice actors remotely and how they did mocap by having the actors like place the marker dots on their face and wearing, they sent them suits and they recorded in their living rooms. And I was like, dude, wow, that's, that's awesome. Insane. And one of the actors even made his own prop gun, which huh. I thought was really cool. Out of what? I don't know what he made Toilet it out of, paper but tubes. it looks... Oh my goodness. I mean, maybe. Or maybe he just like has a secret prop hobby, much like Henry Cavill has He's a like, secret I just got like a 3D printer hobby. back here. I mean, <laughs> you never know. It's true. But, but I thought it was a really interesting vignette on how devs are trying to adapt and work, especially with a major title like Call of Duty, which has so many moving parts and so many different dev teams spread out um, across you know multiple studios. But going back to the Cold War campaign, the thing that I thought was interesting is how they are going to also let you do a create a character. And what I mean by that is you can choose to be male or female this time around, or you can choose to be gender neutral, which is a first for the Call of Duty franchise. You can choose to be classified and you'll have gender neutral pronouns for the entire campaign. And I thought that that was really awesome. Something that I think is unexpected for Call of Duty knowing the history of their community Mm -hmm. and how toxic it has been. I think that this shows care on the part of Activision and the teams to say, hey, we hear you. We know that you guys want more options and we're giving you a gender neutral option for this campaign. So I think that that's great. Obviously, they still have a long way to go for other accessibility terms, as our friend Steve Saylor has identified. If you guys want to hear his whole thoughts, go check out his Twitter at BlindGamerSteve. So are there multiple endings? Did I read that right somewhere? Yes. Okay. What the team told me, because I specifically asked, are, is player choice going to affect the narrative of this campaign? And they said, player choice will affect the outcome of some specific missions, and then player choice will affect the outcome of the end of the game as well. So oh some choices, just mission specific, some choices, full campaign specific. And I thought that that was really exciting. Uh, yeah, that makes me interested in it for sure, because I, I always fizzle out of Call of Duties, usually because... They're very big and bombastic and like there's a lot going on. So uh, there's nothing bad about them. But for me, I just it kind of doesn't I don't know, it doesn't do it for me. But stuff like this does. And other yeah, dialogue wheels choices. too. Or like different choices you can make. I didn't see dialogue wheels in the gameplay that I saw behind closed doors. Doesn't mean that they don't exist. But I think the choices, at least my understanding for what I've seen so far is that they have more to do with how you carry out specific missions, like what you choose to do. I'm sure it has to do with like who you choose to kill or leave alive. Mm. You know, if you go in for, let's say you ha- you're being sent in to get like a piece of like paper like that has like code names or something on it, if you're able to like secure that document or not. I'm That's purely made up, you guys. I'm just like <laughs> riffing here. But like I, that would be my guess is that it's more gameplay mm. focused than it is actual then narrative like, focused. Press mm. X or what? Whatever, yeah. So Games Writer says will... this could be something as simple as a dialogue tree that lets you reassure or threaten a prisoner. So probably really basic shit. But still neat. Yeah, it's more than we've usually got. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. So one of the other quotes they said, this is not the history you know, it's the history you think you know, which I thought was interesting. And then Dan Bunting from the Treyarch team said it wasn't ripped from the headlines. It was about reading between the lines. And I like that kind of play on words in the sense that Black Ops has always kind of been more about subterfuge than some of the other Call of Duties, and they're really leaning into that this time around. And I think it's particularly poignant right now and where we're at in the general state of the world. So certainly very cool. Very cool. Every time President Reagan comes up, 
You need to eat a fistful of jelly beans. Or eat a fistful of honor. your fist's face. Anyway. Or that. I don't, um, I don't know why you just got really aggressive there. <laughs> um, one thing I did want to mention was that we heard extensively at this event from Dan Von Drack, who is the creative director at Raven Software. So a lot of people associate Black Ops, obviously, with Treyarch, which they should. But Raven has a much bigger role this time around, which I thought was really interesting. And so I asked the question, would it be accurate to say that Raven is leading the campaign and Treyarch is leading multiplayer and it felt like I got a yes mm. but not really it seems like they're then obviously would it be incorrect <laughs> <laughs> they're obviously co-developing it together but I feel like this is the first time when I've done a press event where I've heard so much from the Raven team because generally they're usually not as present at a reveal event like this and it it, it either indicates to me that they're taking a much bigger role in developing the campaign or that Treyarch is, I don't, I don't know what else it would mean. That's, that, that's what it feels like it means to me. <laughs> Maybe it means Raven's about to spread its wings and fly and it's going to become the fourth studio and they're going to start cycling. Oh, snap. <gasps> Steimer. I mean, they do have Warzone in the mix, which speaking of which they did confirm this week because uh, this leads into the headline that you read uh, that Warzone progression and your Call of Duty progression are going to be linked. So over on Eurogamer, they write that if you were fretting about having to abandon your Warzone progress for the next Call of Duty, and here's a surprise. Black Ops Cold War will share progression with Warzone, including Battle Pass progression, and many of your current unlocks will carry across. What do you mean that Activision made a consumer-friendly decision? <laughs> I, don't un- I don't understand. I feel oh, like it's yeah. such a great way to get people into Warzone that maybe haven't gotten in oh, yet. Oh, totally. No, this is really smart. So this is... I'm glad they're actually doing this. I got a little... Con- I don't know. Did you ladies see the physical edition kind of confusion that was... Yes. Okay. So Go ahead, Brett. I was going to bring that up, but you take it away. Okay. So this comes from Charlie Intel, a.k.a. Call of Duty News. So in case you were confused, I'm going to make you a little bit more confused. So for everyone planning to get a physical edition... <clears throat> Physical standard of PS4, you can upgrade to PS5 for $10. Physical standard of Xbox One cannot be upgraded to Xbox Series X. The physical standard of PS5 only includes the PS5 version. And the physical standard of Xbox Series X includes an Xbox One copy. Yeah, so basically basically what what that means is if you're buying it on Xbox your copy is interchangeable. If you're buying it on PlayStation, it's not. Yeah. If you buy it on PS5, you can only play on PS5. If you buy it on PS4, you can spend $10 and get it for PS5. And if you get on Xbox One, you cannot upgrade to Xbox Series X. But if you get the Xbox Series X version, you can get the Xbox One version. I feel like this is... This is bad. Welcome and this is what Bl- Blessing generation. and I were talking about this on KFGD earlier this week and how I said that it would be nice if the platforms just forced publishers to standardize if they're going to allow it. It's like, hey, if you're going to do smart delivery, then you have to follow these standards or, you, or you're not doing smart delivery. That's it. It's like, stop confusing consumers with all of the different runaround between publishers. EA has, is doing it one way. 2K is doing it one way. Activision's doing it this way. It's like, no, you're the platform holder. You can dictate this. If they're going yeah, to do then cross-gen... The, then they're going to make a weird video at you and be like, Mara, you're bad. And then they're going to start a whole couple like Epic Napple. Uh-oh. I mean, mate. Maybe, but I, I, when you have Xbox so publicly saying we want developers to make games 
cross buy and for smart delivery, then you should put your money where your mouth is and either force them to standardize it or say you don't have to offer it. Like, so that was Blessing's point. He was like, you know, well, not every developer can offer it. I go, yeah, no, I get that. I, I don't think that every developer should have to offer cross gen, but I think the ones that are going to, especially the ones that can't afford it, like Activision 2K and EA, that it's not that hard for them to just say, yo, if you buy it for PS4, you get it for PS5. You buy it for Xbox One, you get it for Series X. Boom, you get done. a car. And you get a car. Everyone gets a car. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. thing. It's going to be some weird uncharted territory, ladies, but... We'll get through it together. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. I, basically, it's like if you want to play these games on your new system, you should just buy them on the new system at launch. Yep, pretty much. Don't say, gee, golly, gosh. Yeah. It's a whole thing. Um, but I'm trying to make sure we didn't miss anything else from the, the Battle Pass progression system. Oh, it says, on top of this, Warzone players will still have access to modern warfare content that they earned previously, like operators and weapon blueprints. It seems that the link is to a shared battle pass system between Warzone and Cold War, which will unlock post-launch content with a, quote, unified progression across both games. This will take a similar approach to the way the battle pass currently works in Warzone with base weapons, customization items, and more. Cool. Which BT Dubs thing we didn't mention at the beginning of this was it was pretty freaking cool that Call of Duty decided to announce Black Ops Cold War inside Warzone. Yeah. Which happened earlier this week. It was an in-game event. Inside Clearly them trying to take computer. a stab at what Fortnite is doing with their right. in-game events. I thought it was I thought it was cool. I thought it was an interesting way to do it. They did a lot of weird stuff with this game, sending projectors to people, sending slides to people. Oh well, you got your game yeah. out, you did the announcement. Yeah. And we're gonna get the multiplayer reveal. On September 9th. Yay. Nice. Nice, 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 nice. <laughs> Speaking of nice. Speaking of nice. Brittany. Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I was. <laughs> Do you want to read about the Nintendo Mini Direct? I will. Nintendo Mini. I will. Yes, I will. Though. So here's everything announced in today's Nintendo Direct Mini. And by today, I think this was, was Tuesday. Was this Tuesday or Wednesday? Um, who can say? It happens sometimes. It happens sometimes this week. This comes from Eurogamer. So this afternoon saw the surprise release of a new Nintendo Direct Mini Partner Showcase video focusing on various upcoming third-party games headed to Nintendo Switch. Of course, this means no Nintendo-developed games, though it shouldn't be too long now. Who fucking knows at this point? Instead, the video stars a smattering of announcements from other publishers. The headline reveal was Puyo Puyo Tetris 2, which is coming to Nintendo Switch and other platforms in December. It features a four-player online mode, new campaign, and a fresh skill battle mode with new power-ups. The Rhythm Action Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory was showcased, specifically a Nintendo Switch exclusive mode called Free For All, which lets you play in local multiplayer with up to eight players overall. Keeping with the music musical theme, Harmonix's Fuser is headed to Switch this autumn, while Taiko no oh God, Tatsujin Rhythmic Adventure Pack features two games from the popular Taiko Drum series and over 130 songs in its due this winter. Ubisoft's Just Dance 2021 returns with another 40 tracks, including Dua Lipa's Don't Start... Dua Lipa! Of course I don't. If not from the 90s or 2000s, man, like, don't ask if me. If you heard her songs, you, you probably would. would. Yes. Mm, okay. And Twice feels twice as feel special. It launches for Switch on November 12th. Uh, also worth noting, it's not coming to the Wii for the first time. Rip Wii, you had a really good run. Collection of Saga Final Fantasy Legend brings together the first three Game Boy titles in the series to commemorate... 
Wow. Commemorate? Commemorate. Thank you. I don't know what just happened there. The tongue just like swelled in my mouth and it was like, come on, my bro. I feel like I was reading someone's name. Uh, Yeah, to do that with the series 30th anniversary. (laughs) It it arrives December 15th. Big Rumble Boxing Creed Champions features Rocky style training montages and an underdog becoming champion story, which is due in spring 2021. Uh, other, Other upcoming Switch games include Jump Force Deluxe Edition, August 28th, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Remastered Edition, the 27th of August, which I'm very excited about. The retail version of Minecraft Dungeons, September 8th, and Captain Tsubasa, Rise of the New Champions, August 28th. That is an arcade soccer game, which looks pretty darn cute, if you're wondering. Uh, So here Nintendo doing their thing, where they... I mean, I get it on one hand. You don't want to say, like, hey, Nintendo Direct Mini coming tomorrow. Get hyped. Whoa, because people will get hyped. They'll start foaming at the mouths, and then this will happen, and then they'll get disappointed. So they did what they always do, which is stealth drop a fucking Direct. And Here's some stuff. It's been almost a year since we've gotten our last real Nintendo Direct. And we talked about this on the Monday show, Andrea. Because Jeffy we Grubbs sure was like, hey, it's happening. And here it is. It happened. Nothing. Go. Nothing. Uh, but it wasn't on Friday the 28th, Grubbs. Yeah, Grubbs. Get your shit that's together. That's true. It was not. Because that's the day you're listening to this show. Yeah. That's true. It's another mm-hmm. thing. Hopefully we'll get something soon. The rumors, if you're going to believe rumors, are we will get something soon. But I'm not going to let myself down again, Andrea and Simer. I'm not going to do it. Don't let yourself you're believe You're not going to do it. No, nope. don't, you know don't what I'm going to do? What? I'm going to build you up, baby girl. Yeah, girl. Oh, I'm going to let you get real hype. You want to? You want to? Why you get, should get real hype? I'm getting Resident fucked. Evil TV series Ooh. officially a go at Netflix. This comes to us from the Hollywood Reporter. Following months of development and an extensive search for a showrunner, Netflix has officially ordered eight episodes of a Resident Evil TV series. Supernatural co co showrunner Andrew Dab Dab. <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, oversee the series uh, for Netflix and and producers Constantine Film. Wait. Uh, his name is Constantine Film? That's weird. Uh, Dab is expected to turn his attention to Resident Evil after wrapping the delayed final season of the CW's iconic drama, Supernatural, <laughs> which recently resumed production following a months-long shutdown. Quote, Resident Evil help, is my favorite help. game of all time, Dab said. I'm incredibly excited to tell a new chapter in this amazing story and bring the first ever Resident Evil series to Netflix members around the world. For every type of Resident Evil fan, including those joining us for the first time, the series will be complete with a lot of old friends and some things, bloodthirsty, insane things, people have never seen before. Mm-hmm. Dab will serve as writer and showrunner and will executive produce alongside Constantine Films' Robert... Quizar and oh, I almost said Olivier <laughs> Oliver, <laughs> much easier name, Bourbon and Mary Lee Sutton. Bronwyn Hughes, The Walking Dead, will also executive produce and direct the first two episodes. The Netflix series will tell its new story across two timelines. The first, 14 year old sisters Jade and Billy uh, Wesker are moving to a new raccoon city, a manufactured corporate town forced on them right as adolescence is in full swing. But the more time they spend there, the more they come to realize that the town is more than it seems. And their father may be concealing dark secrets. Secrets that could destroy the world. <laughs> the second more than a decade into the future sees less than 15 million people left on Earth. And more than 6 billion monsters. People and animals infected with the T-virus. <laughs> Jade, now 30, struggles to survive in this new world. While well, the secrets from her past about her sister, her father herself continue to haunt her ha huh. okay yeah so uh, a lot a lot to break down here i think this is great i think hey 
I understand people wanting to jump to the pessimistic conclusion of, oh, this is going to suck. They're going to fuck it all up. But clearly this is an alternate universe because Wesker, the only child Wesker has in the video games is Jake, and he is in Resident Evil 6. And that's like a whole story in itself. And here's the thing, friends. We know Wesker fucks. We know he gets a lot of ass. So the fact that he has two kids in here isn't super surprising to me. Two daughters, which I think is awesome. And I think the way this is being prefaced, it's a feeling I get, is that daughters actually might be the good guys in this one. At least one of them. Because Jade, now 30, struggles to survive while the secrets from her past about her sister, her father, and herself continue to haunt her. Maybe she has a moral compass, unlike that asshole Wesker. So I think that's an interesting twist. And I think this is a cool way to explore... To me, that makes it sound like... Her sister was ex- like, because they're, they're twins. Mm. There were some weird, freaky, ex- freaky deaky experiments going on on them. Oh, yeah. Because so Wesker like, maybe got out. Yeah. Wesker is Speaking an of twins, Daniel Hall writes in at patreon.com slash what's good games and says, which evil twin sister will be the more evil or evil twin sister in the Netflix Resident Evil series? I, mean, I feel like it has to be Billy. Yeah. Because right? it says the show focuses on. Jade and uh, Billy. Jade. Yeah, and then it says Jade now thirty struggles to survive. Jade yeah, now thirty is struggling mm-hmm. with So, or, or or plot twist, it is Jade. <laughs> and then like, but you don't know until later when like they start revealing all the backstory. And Billy, poor Billy, is probably just um, a clone. What do you call it a clone? Collateral, not collateral. Oh. There's a word I'm looking for. What? Collateral damage or something damaged. Like so collateral, collateral damage. damage. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. I don't know yeah. why I'm. Da- why do I doubt myself? I don't know. You're very smart. You Thanks. are very smart. Yeah. And I mean, Wesker isn't exactly human himself. So it wouldn't be crazy He's to think. has got to be at least part of him. But I'm. Unless these girls are made in some weird like lab. Who knows? Like still got to have the goods to produce human life. Some portion of them. Simon really wants to talk about Wesker's dick. Go ahead, Simon. Have your moment. Go, go, Andrea. Go single (laughs) shot. Let her have her moment. Let's go. (laughs) I'm not. I'm saying biologically, semen needs to exist in this person. You want to. You want to have like a a, like a legitimate testicles and vast deference uh, conversation right now? (laughs) No, I don't. But I'm just saying that that needs to exist. Uh, Who could say? Technically, need to have. Well, it's fine. Whatever. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway, I think this is exciting because there's this new Raccoon City, and I think this is just a cool opportunity to explore a part of the lore that I don't think we'll ever see in games or ever see in any other kind of medium. So cool. Let's, let's go. I'm all for it. We've seen how well they handled the Witcher. Who's to say they can't handle Resident Evil very well. And it sounds like dab. How do you dab? I don't know. I don't even know how to dab. I don't remember. Yeah. I didn't do it very well. Uh, uh, anyway, it sounds like, shite. This yeah. Like- yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to hit everything if I do that in here. Okay. Thank you. Uh, it sounds like dab is a fan of Resident Evil, which also makes me happy. But we will see. We will. I'm happy that it has been confirmed and it is actually a thing that is happening. Go team. Rah, rah. Matthew Goddard asks, Britt, as a big fan of Resident Evil, what would your ideal series look like? I think, I think ideally, and here's the thing, like you, you ladies can speak to this too. Whenever you take a video game franchise that you love so much and try to translate it to film, there's always something weird that happens. Like it's Uncharted film that's coming. Spider-Man ain't going to look like young Nathan Drake. It's just not going to happen. So I think what comes along with that is just some sort of, it's hard to wrap your head around it. Ideal series would be all in CG, it'd look real pretty, and then you could bring all the fan favorites in, and then it would be great. Something exploring. So would you want a retelling of like kind of the stuff that they go over, they go over in the games? Yeah, okay. Kind of, yeah, like I want to see more of Raccoon City, what it was like before the outbreak. And it's interesting because it sounds like we might get some of that here. Uh, but yes, it does sound like right? that. Right, sure. so... 
I think that's and that's probably why I'm most excited about it because I've always wanted to know like what Raccoon City was like and I was hoping we were going to get that with Resident Evil 3 remake but they kind of just like skipped over all of that. Anyway, I digress. Give me more like pre-zombie outbreak. Give me then then translate into outbreak and just show something from a citizen's point of view. And I know there are some games that are sort of like that but it didn't really translate well. Anyway, let's go. Be happy. Be excited. Life is too shitty IRL right now to jump to pessimistic expectations right away. Just have some hope for some shit, you know? It's healthy yeah. for you. Smile a bit. You know? I'm smiling, Brit. Yeah, you're so beautiful when you smile. You too. Oh, thanks. You too, uh, part of the reason I'm smiling is because we got some good shit. We got some new hotness from KDA. So it's a lyric trailer, as you guys can see here. The full trailer, I imagine, is going to be coming in the future. It's very popular for musicians to release a lyrical trailer first, and then they release the I full find music it weird video that you're later. A trailer, not a video. Uh, well, they do call it a. Well, they do. Maybe that's just me using the word trailer. They usually are called lyric music videos. Yes. Um, I was just, I was saying, we were in those were my words, those were my <laughs> words, um, but KDA famously made the song pop stars as part of Riot's League of Legends celebrations. Oh. The new song is cool. I would play a clip of it for you guys, but <laughs> the YouTube content ID filters will snatch that right up from us. Let 365 me... million views on YouTube. Wait, I thought for sure it was more than that. Wow. I mean, there's probably plays on other places, but... Oh, yeah. But let's see. But that's for just YouTube. Dude, I totally thought it was, like, way bigger. Just, mean, the, just the opening ceremony video has 40 million views on it, which is, which is wild. Um, but if you guys want to check out the new KDA song... The Baddest. The Baddest. Mm-hmm. Featuring... How do you say that? Is G-Idol. G-Idol. Okay. Uh, yeah. B. Miller. Wolf. Tyla. Sure. I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know how you, I only know G-Idle. <laughs> I don't I'm know like, the I other don't ones. I don't know how to say these names. Um, it looks cool. It sounds cool. Again, I can't play any of it for you because, yeah. DMCA. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> it's true. And that's going to do it for our news for this week. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. everybody it's the final segment of the what's good games podcast and this is where we talk about what we've been playing and this week it's brought to you by AT&T 5G so this is a really cool partnership that I'm excited to tell you guys about Rooster Teeth is joining forces with Samsung and AT&T 5G to kick things off for the upcoming RTX at home virtual event we're creating a Ruby outdoor mural that you can add R2 from home using the Mark augmented reality app just download the Mark app that's M-A-R-K and start creating your own Ruby art starting September 5th through September 7th each night fan designs will be projected on the mural wall and you could see yours come to life on social media. If you're on the AT&T 5G network at home, you can access plus mode through the Mark app so you will get the highest res video and crystal clear images to explore on the app. Check out the Samsung Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G powered by AT&T 5G. AT&T 5G requires a compatible plan and coverage not in all areas. And here are just some of the new features that you can try out with this device. 
The Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G also has a 120 hertz adaptive display that automatically adjusts the refresh rate according to the content that you are viewing, which is pretty cool. And it's got an intelligent battery that optimizes for your gameplay. Between 5G support, Wi-Fi optimization, and the advanced processor, you get a smooth gaming experience with virtually no lag. Check out the S Pen and Samsung Notes to create your own works of art. Head on over to att.com slash Galaxy Note 20 Ultra 5G to learn how you can get the Samsung Galaxy Note 25G for free or the Galaxy Note 25G Ultra for $299.99 for a limited time. Brittany, I would love to hear about your time with Battletoads. Battletoads are toads that battle. Yeah, so I admittedly going into Battletoads, first of all, thank you, Xbox. For the review code, much appreciated. I had a good time with my with my little battling toads. I was also available on Xbox Game Pass. It is that's, that yeah. absolutely, or you can pay nineteen ninety nine for it. But why do that when you can get it on Game Pass? Science, true, true. And math, it's a thing. Yeah, so I wasn't quite sure what to expect. Typically, brawlers, beat 'em ups, and games that are notoriously as hard as Battle Toads aren't my jam. But I will say I had a very fun time. Jason and I played through a co-op. This game supports up to three players, local co-op only, so there is no online co-op supported. And I think part of that is because of the uh, the difficulty options. They were very nice. So you have Tadpole, which is like your baby-ass baby mode. You have Toad, which is the level we played on. And then you have Battle Toad. And so the difficulty options, I think, are pretty self-explanatory. Enemy health, um, your health, the enemy damage, etc. But what's great about tadpole in toad mode is that after so many deaths you can activate invincibility on a certain checkpoint so if you are like getting your ass handed to you and you're like this sucks and you die about five times i found four to five times you will get the option to enable invincibility you can do it or you can turn it off if you want to you know have a real a real challenge and what's not but yeah i found that it was actually not too challenging once you kind of get the hang of what works and what doesn't work and there's a lot of combat that i'm not going to go too much into the weeds of but it's your typical Y, X, and A, I think are the ones I'm looking for, that do your, you know, little like punch and kicks and whatnot. And then you have a dodge button. You have a bubblegum spit option, which is really helpful because you spit and it slows down the enemies, which is like so great. And we found out if you just spit bubblegum on bitches and you dodge around, chances are you'll survive to see another day. Um, And what's great about it, too, is when you're playing with just two people, and you always have that third toad in reserve. So you have rash, pimple, and zits, which is just fucking hilarious. And if you have a toad up in reserve and you, let's say, one of you die, you can tag in as the toad that's in reserve, revive that toad that just got knocked out, and then continue playing. So there's always kind of like that rotating little frog friend that can come in, that little amphibian friend, if you will. So in that sense, it's not super punishing if you do get your butt kicked. What was interesting about this game, and I guess what I wasn't super expecting, are just the level of minigames that are in here. I Maybe this is something that's been a staple of the Battletoads games since like the 90s when they first came out. But there were so many different things that you could do in it. There are the turbo bike missions where you are essentially, it's like a racing platformer, I guess is what you would call it. There's a vertical scrolling shooter, a lot like the Raiden series. There were some weird platforming grinding levels where you're kind of essentially, think of like the Donkey Kong minecart <laughs> levels where you're just like mm-hmm. grinding on some stuff. Uh, there was a lot of that. In fact, the entire Act 3, I feel like, and there are eight stages in Act 3, was nothing but mini games in that sense. Well, I don't know if you can really call them mini games. They were levels, but they weren't brawling and beat em ups. And worth no- noting that we finished the game in four and a half hours. So it's very short. But it was nice. It was, yeah, it was fun. And uh, I would just say, like, overall, if 
you know, you are thinking about playing it, but you're not sure because you don't want to play a very, very hard game. It's really not too bad. Jason and I did it on Toad, and I can guarantee I did not carry my weight, but I, I didn't die too many times. <laughs> I didn't die all that much. You can always bump it down to Tadpole. And the story itself is super charming, really cute. It looks like a Saturday morning cartoon, and all the Toads are really well written, and it's a pretty funny laugh-out-loud story. And, yeah, it was fun. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did because I have had no experience with Battletoads before. But I played it and I liked it. And That's it awesome. Fun. Yeah. I know that there's a really big kind of cult following for Battletoads. It's been around for ages. And thank you to Xbox for sending us over those really cool custom gift packs. I'm going to be doing a giveaway with mine because I want it to find a good home since it has some really cool limited art in that. Still trying to figure out when the best time to be or to do that would be since, you know, I want to be sensitive about sending things through the mail during a pandemic, of course. But we're excited to give that away, hopefully, sometime in the not too distant future. But I'm glad you guys had a great time with that. I was playing online with Reed during our Halo stream the other day and we saw you and Jason logging in and I was like, ah. They're playing something together. <laughs> we were actually trying is. to play Wasteland 3 is what we were trying to play, uh, which oh, is another yeah, game. Came out. Yeah, which is another game I've been playing, but I have nowhere near enough time. This is an 80 to 100 hour game, and we're maybe like four hours in. So can't talk about it yet. I couldn't give it an accurate reading. But yeah, that's what we were trying to play. Trying. And another game that just launched this week that we didn't have enough time to evaluate was Tell Me Why. So this is from Don't Nod. Of course, we've done many work mini work we've done several pieces of partnership wow words words are hard today words are really hard it's been a long Um, week (laughs) we've done really cool things with don't not in the past is what i'm trying to say and i am definitely looking forward to playing this and i like that they really shortened the timeline between episodes they're going to do all three episodes in three weeks so we'll be able to do i know right my old ass will be able to remember what (laughs) happened from one to the next thank you (laughs) (laughs) And we will be doing a spoiler cast eventually, but I'm excited to see how that's going and want to give a shout out and congratulations to Rihanna, who is working on that title. I know she's been busting her butt to get that game out the door with the rest of the team at Xbox and, of course, the team at Don't Nod. So congrats. And I hope that people like it. It won an award at Gamescom, won the Xbox award for Gamescom 2020. So congrats to their team. Um, But that's not what we're talking about today. We will be talking about that in the future. Steimer and I got to play some Outriders. Yes, we did. So this game is wild. I had the opportunity to play back in February with Alana Pierce and Andy Cortez. And I had a blast playing with them. Just like I had a blast playing with Steimer. Now, we will get Brittany into a session eventually. Uh. And um, I want to show you guys some gameplay. So this gameplay is actually going to be coming from the Outriders broadcast um, that was on August 26th, I think, this week. If you guys don't remember our discussion about Outriders from a couple of months back, this is the game from People Can Fly. People Can Fly, known for working on the Gears of War franchise, known for Bulletstorm. And this is their kind of first big game that they're doing on their own, Mm -hmm. and they are publishing it with Square Enix. And it is a co-op game, third-person combat, as you can see in the footage here. And I had a bunch of fun. They have four classes that they are showcasing. And Steimer played as the trickster in our gameplay um, session. And I played as the new class, the Technomancer, which is probably the designated support class. I know in the broadcast, they talked a lot about how the Technomancer has the most 
healing mechanic out of all of the classes. And I certainly... You healed me a lot. I feel like I came to your rescue a couple times. <laughs> you definitely did. Because I mean, I was still getting, first of all, comfortable with the game. And then also when you're playing something over a streaming service, the la- the like la- it takes a minute to get used to. Because it's not quite obviously the same as if you're playing it yourself. Uh, or not, you know what I mean? Yes. If you're playing it on, on the TV. In directly. person. Right. Yes. Um, so... I was I was having a little bit of trouble in the sense because I, I didn't fully also understand the class until you told me to back out and look at the menu a little bit closer and see how my character would heal. So the trickster, he really heals. Um, I don't remember the specifics of it, but basically what you want to do as it is get up really close, shoot a bunch of people. As you're doing damage to them, you're getting healed. And then you need to kind of bounce out quickly because you are squishy and you will die, <laughs> as I learned <laughs> A lot. Um, and so, yeah, that's what... So Andrea, as the Technomancer, came to my rescue a few times with her heal ability that... I don't remember what the range on it was, but it seemed to be pretty good. It was... In, there was no range oh, limit, which no is range. why it was so oh, okay, cool. Okay, yeah, that's why. So what's interesting about the way that Outriders is putting their class character... Their character classes together is that each one has a unique healing mechanic. So it's not like you just pick up, like, health pods or potions or whatever and you can heal. Each class has a unique ability. So in Steimer's class, like she mentioned, she has to kill enemies in cl- within close range to get yes, healing to regenerate. Yeah. And in my class, I had to, I believe, kill enemies that had a status effect on them in order or maybe it was just I had to kill enemies and it didn't matter if I was close or not because I'm more of a support character but you have these interchangeable skills and at the bottom of the screen you can see the three skills in the middle of the HUD there so you had one map to left button one to right button and then if you hit both the bumpers at the same time it activated a third skill and you can you know, assign whatever skills you want to about bumpers, which I thought was nice. And I had about six or seven different skills I could choose from. And one of those skills was a healing ability that if I had it refresh, I could hit that button and it would heal all of my teammates for 30% of their health, no matter where they were on the map. And it came Clutch. in so handy. Mm. Because of what I think is really fun about this style of gameplay is it's kind of marrying the cover shooting mechanics of a game like The Division with a more intensive combat focus like you get from Gears. So I think that, I mean, maybe Gears isn't even the right, because I don't want to... Gears is also like a cover shooter too. It It is, but I feel like at least in Gears there are some really good melee moments like with the shotgun or with the um, with the chainsaw gun, the See, lancer. I thought you were going to go Destiny with it, because I feel like it's more of a marrying of like a, a Destiny and a cover shooter. You know... I, I, see, I can see some of that. And I think when we were talking about RPG progression, I agree with you there. There's definitely a lot of things about the loot menu that made me think of Destiny. And also the powers for me was what I was... Mm. The, the powers were, diff- were were interesting. And I think that the the individual powers associated with each class definitely make it feel a little bit more like Destiny. But I think the powers are just much more varied in Outriders. Oh, totally. Yes. I, I definitely think Outriders ex- takes that sort of concept and expands upon them. Um, or sp- expands upon it. Words are hard today. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what was really, what stood out in our play oh. session was that we figured out a way to combo a lot of our skills together. So Steimer had uh, an ability called the Slow Trap. And essentially put like a giant bubble of slowness where if enemies walked into this big bubble, they would just, you know, move really slowly. And it allowed me to throw one of my turrets down to kind of spray damage on them as they were moving slowly through this trap. 
And we found really cool moments for our classes to really work together to use our abilities to keep us alive, really, <laughs> because we tested out this world tier difficulty system. And it was so hilarious. When we booted up the game for the first time, the devs are getting us comfortable with it. We go out on our first mission and I was like, boy, this is really hard. <laughs> I was like, what is happening in this game? Because again, we are just starting this out. We don't have a tutorial. Not only do we not have a tutorial, as I've mentioned, playing a game on your PC, but through a streaming, I don't know, platform, really difficult. And so, yeah, we were just, I just died instantly, like multiple <laughs> times. I was just like, what? Look, I'm not terrible at video games. I swear to God, I'm not. I don't know what's happening, though. And then we looked at it. It was World Tier 5. Oh. They had us on the highest difficulty tier. <laughs> it was like, it said like expert difficulty in the corner. I was like, we why like, did um, you maybe, do that to maybe us? Maybe let me get used to this first oh, before no. you just throw me in the deep end of the pool. And then, of course, they thought it was really funny. They're like, oh, we thought you guys could handle it. And I was like, don't do that. This yeah, is a like, brand new game. I'm with, like, I've never seen this class before. But they were good. They were good natured about it. The team at People Can Fly. And yeah. um, so we dropped it down to, to like three? World Tier difficulty two i think to start oh, two, and then we made it and then we were like this three. isn't hard enough we bumped it up to three and then we ended up trying four and four felt like the right challenge for where we were at skill wise and also our knowledge of we all also, the different abilities and things like that yeah like we had also gotten a chance to play the game a little bit more at that point so we were more comfortable with our classes again i had learned how to heal i also like yes. went through all of my other um abilities kind of swapped the ones i really liked um and because there was one where you kind of just do like a the temporal Magical, slice. Yeah, you just like slice anybody that's near you. Oh, I really love that. What was, was the ability I that I saw? Spun around. Where like rocks came up. Was, I you don't know that one. I didn't play. Is that. that was that in the Devastator class? Maybe yeah, that was, was what I love, class whatever that play. is. So cool. I didn't get a chance to try the Devastator class because I believe that was the class that we were going to have you play. Yeah, that was going to be me. Let me see if I can <laughs> fast forward here a little bit and see a little bit more. Yeah, where you're basically impaling people. Yes, that's what I want. So how many abilities do you have? You had six or seven oh, yeah there but was you could slot three you earn different skills and then oh. you can level up these skills and then you can kind of hot swap them around to be like hey in this level i'm gonna have a lot of like smaller <gasps> enemies so i maybe want more crowd control and then it's like well i'm now i'm going up against like a mini boss now maybe i want more dps and i like that you can kind of hot swap them on the fly and it didn't feel like i was really being um, punished by the cooldown reductions. But that, of course, is another part of the extensive skill tree. And they're showing a little bit of the, the path, the upgrade progression here. What I liked really, but what I saw about the skill tree is that the three branches of the skill tree had moments where they connect. So if you decide, hey, I really want to put a lot of points into a single tree, there will be a point down the line where you can connect that to another tree without having to go back to the beginning. Oh, wow. Here Here's we go. The tree. That's a lot. Yeah. There's a ton of skills to unlock, and I think the progression is going to be really rewarding. I think we still have yet to see how the oh. loot is going to feel, how the loot chase is going to feel. This first outing made me feel a little bit too much like what I found in The Division, and that's why I brought that up, because the world tier difficulty system reminded me of The Division right away, where with each difficulty, you get better rewards, more legendaries, more rare loot, you know, the higher difficulties you go. But it also means that you're getting a lot of repeats. And I felt like I kept picking up a bunch of gear that I was just automatically dismantling. And what I don't need in my life, Brittany, is a yet another inventory simulator game. <laughs> yeah, I think the trouble was for the demo, they had given us equipment 
that ended up being better than the best equipment we got the we whole demo. found, oh. which was like a definite mistake on their part. Yeah, I know that they're trying to do it so you don't like get in there and just fall on your face. Although we already did. Yeah, um, but pretty much we only anything we found that even looked cooler we couldn't equip because the stats were not as good. Um, and mm-hmm. we obviously, you know, you need you need the stats in this over looking pretty. But there were some cool pieces of armor that we found where I was like, ooh, I could really see this being a cool set and like making your character look really neat. So I liked that there were customization options, but for where we were at, even when we bumped it up to four, not all of the loot was stuff. And I'm like, I don't know if that's because they were intending for everybody to play on five, which seems very (laughs) ambitious. Um, But it did kind of suck to not really get a feel for the natural progression of this game and how the loot cycle will actually feel. So did you guys, I think, Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. I say I was going to switch gears and ask if you got to see any story. Um, a, a little bit. I do want to just like end cap mm-hmm. that gear conversation by reminding people that balancing and gear leveling is obviously still under development. The things that we saw are probably not final, which is why I said I you know want to see where they go with the loot progression. But for what we saw, it didn't feel as compelling as I really wanted it to. But it's also probably because they're holding all of the good stuff for you know player discovery, right? When it comes to narrative, like the overarching narrative was my biggest complaint when I saw this game back in February after their reveal. So it just felt like a very generic sci-fi story. There's a weird energy called the anomaly. And if you touch it, it makes you this mutant outrider and you get all of these um, abilities. And everybody and asks you for favors. Ah. If you're called an altered, I think is the name. Yes, yeah. And and then you're kind of superhuman because obviously you have all these cool elemental abilities and you can protect people and you're on this planet. It's not post-apocalyptic, but kind of because... It's like this, a Mad Max feel. Is, yeah, it's got a Mad Max vibe with a mashup of some of the stuff from Anthem, with a mashup of some of the stuff from Destiny and some of the stuff from Mass Effect. And it's just like, it kind of feels like they've cherry-picked some of these narrative moments and none of it feels compelling yet yeah yeah i feel like we definitely didn't get a a good enough bite of that to really feel like it's interesting um i will agree it just felt i was like okay it seems like generic sci-fi tale as right now which again we didn't we didn't get to see a ton of it so it's possible it will take some interesting twists and turns um for right now i think i am mostly intrigued by the co-op gameplay of this, the powers were very fun and very satisfying. And I think teaming up with friends and just doing shit like impaling people or that was a temporal swipe. Yeah. Like doing stuff like that will be really fun with your friends. Yeah. You know, I'm watching this and remember when we saw this time you and I in February watching Andrea's gameplay, we left that second like we don't know what it is, but we are not like super stoked about it. Something about it. Yeah, I mean, it just, it reads slightly, it, re- it does read generic, but the powers are the most interesting okay. thing about it to me. Um, so now that you've played, you're more intrigued with the powers and... The powers were fun. Yeah. I really liked, again, I didn't get to play all of the classes, but I really liked the trickster that I that I got, um, again, only after I really understood what I was doing with it, of course, but it felt pretty satisfying to to jump in there, shotgun some people, try and get out, because there's, there's a few moves where... It's sort of like a blink ability or not quite a blink, but sort of a time travel thing. Like it, your trail is there. You go up, you can kill and then it'll take you back to where you were at the beginning. Um, I never used that one because I didn't I didn't trust myself to be able to utilize it very effectively <laughs> in the time that we had and the way we were playing. But I do. I could see how that would be very helpful for that class. 
Hmm. Yeah, I think that this game has a lot of potential. It's really relying heavily on just how, like, sheer fun the gameplay is. And I think that People Can Fly have really nailed that. What they have yet to show us is can they stand shoulder to shoulder with all of the other games that have this like grindy loot progression. Now, what makes them different, of course, is that they have said everything you're going to play in Outriders ships on the disc. This is not a live service game. They're not going to be supporting this game with like routine content drops like we see, you know, in a game like The Division or, or Destiny that they aren't talking about Endgame yet. Obviously, they, they have a lot of development left to go, but that they want people to know that you are going to be able to play this game when you buy the game, that it's not going to be like a drip feed of content to get to the end of whatever the narrative is. And the few cutscenes that we did get to see, I thought were interesting, but I haven't yet gotten to see why I should care about these characters. But again, that's one of those things that I think is going to be hard for players to really get a firm grasp on until the game comes out. But well, yeah, again, like, it's fun. We weren't it's playing really fun. from the very beginning either. I don't know. Where, I don't remember. Oh, I think where. we were like level 30. Well, we were level 30 for sure, but I don't know where we were at the point in the story, but it definitely was not a opening cutscene sort of situation. We were literally dropped into a level to start, and then at some point we saw cutscenes. So mm -hmm. we're also like, it is weird to, we can't really judge the story because we were being told the story partway through. Even if it was just a little bit after the beginning, it's still weird to not have the setup of mm -hmm. a story. Mm -hmm. uh, so not trying to judge it on that yet but i mean i think the gameplay was really fun i do think it has generic issues it feels a little bit like a lot of other things on the market mm -hmm. um but if they can find something uniquely about or unique about them that they can really market they could have an interesting thing on their hands yeah absolutely I and mean, like my final thought was that it just doesn't feel next gen to me it feels very current gen and doesn't even necessarily feel like at the end of current gen it feels like this is the game we would have gotten in the middle of the PlayStation uh, 4 and the uh -huh. Xbox One life cycle. And Steimer very accurately reminded me that people can fly. It's not a giant team. You know, they, this feels almost like a double A game versus a triple A game. Yes. And I think that they have clearly stretched what their team is capable of to make it feel more triple A. But I w would really encourage people to tailor their expectations going in that you're not going to get a game that's going to knock your socks off with the graphics or with like really innovative new gameplay, but you are going to get a super fun game that so far had some pretty good polish when it came to combat. Yes. Yeah, the combat was very fun. All right. That's helpful. So that's probably what you're looking for if you're yeah. interested in a game like this. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, mean, it looks... Combat looks fun, but I haven't seen anything. You're like, oh, I'm so excited to play this. I mean, granted, Impaling Bitches looks really great. That little move yeah. from yes. Devastator. But other than that, I'm like, okay, it looks kind of brown. But I think that this is something I, that we would yeah. have a lot of fun playing together. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, that's it okay. is very, yeah, it is a very muddy palette. I will say that. Yeah. Muddy palette. Well, hopefully we'll get to see more from Outriders in the future. If you guys want to learn more, of course, you can get details on all of the Outriders broadcasts over on their YouTube channel. That is where all of the footage came from that we saw in this segment today. And thank you to Square Enix for inviting us and to the People Can Fly team for helping us with all the technical challenges of running an event virtually. We know just how difficult it is, so we really appreciate all of the work the dev team did to try to get us all hooked up playing together. Yes. So patient, yeah. such nice people. Spent an hour and a half trying to get that thing done. Tried everything you could think of, but alas, it happens. Very nice. Sometimes just won't work. Yep. 
And then you got to hang up your hat and go, you know what? I'm done now. <laughs> Just much. like we are Another with this day. episode. Oh, say way. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. We hope you appreciated the show. We've got lots more streams happening this week, as I mentioned in the announcements. And we've got a special announcement about some spooky content that's happening on What's Good Games in the Future. Hmm. Maybe you know what it is. Maybe you don't. It's my candy corn review show. Yeah, Steinberg, you didn't have to spoil it, okay? Sorry. Listen, I was trying to keep it a secret. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, by the way, thanks the dude for sending that candy corn necklace. Very fun. <laughs> Amazing. Very fun. And on that note, we are going to leave. Have a great rest of your weekend, everybody. Goodbye.